We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com and NatsRepublic.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, the traveling man, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? In Vietnam, Nets, basketball's only a couple of days away. Life is pretty good, Nicholas. Life is pretty good. I know you're hand- handing out Nets tickets everywhere you go. Jack's been to like 100 countries in the last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, today we're talking Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Damari Carroll, season preview for these guys. Before we get started, as always, check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, YouTube, and Dash Radio. But, Jack, we're going to look back at last year. We'll start with Rondé. You know, season review of him. Took some major strides offensively, that mid-range, that post-game, the and-ones. You know, he was probably one of the best and most consistent Nets last year. What were your thoughts on Rondé last year? Yeah, definitely one of the most consistent performers, Nick. Um, one of the Nets Republic guys even had him as the Nets' best player last season. Um, you could certainly uh, make a make an argument for that. Uh, I know I did a... A 2017-18 season review piece uh, on his individual play for OTG basketball, um, and yeah, I certainly echo the sentiments that you made in terms of his uh, offensive game and, and his shot creation really heading to the next level. Um, his mentality, his confidence uh, was certainly evident throughout all the games he played. He had a couple of games missed due to injury, but so, so did plenty of our nets. But uh, a really, really successful season um, as we get to the success and disappointment uh, for Ronde uh, last season. Yeah, and you said it, you know, when he missed time, him and Karis LeVert missed time in February, and that really impacted the team because those two brought a lot of energy. Also, I know some people don't really care about statistics, but he was the highest defensive win shares on the Nets last year, so definitely an impact on both ends of the floor. But success or disappointment last year, Jack? Yeah, hinted at it a little bit before, Nick, but it's an absolute success for Rondé. Um, if you're talking about the fact that he you know, didn't add the three-point shot, then I think you're looking at his overall game a uh, fair 
too narrowly. You know, mm-hmm. there's just so many other wide improvements that he made to his game. The consistency uh, on the defensive end is probably one of our best defenders. Um, and you mentioned the defensive win shares there. You know, the game against Portland where he played, you know, 37 minutes or so. You know, he's one of our most important performers on both ends of the floor. Um, he still struggles at times, but we'll get that to with the strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, he was absolutely successful throughout 2017-18. Yeah, 100% agree. I think uh, just the fact that he added to his offensive game going to the season, you know, he was really a liability on that end. Not to say that he developed a perimeter shooting, but at least he can do something. He can do things for the balls and with the balls with the ball in his hand, you know, dribble, pass, get in the lane. And you mentioned, I know, on previous pods, he was one of the highest guys in and ones last year. Yeah, in terms of and one plays, you know, he was, I believe, top 10 at least, if not, uh, you know, pushing the top five. Uh, and I also mentioned that in my piece as well. It's just because his game and he has a, he tightened up that handle a little bit. You know, he worked around the mid-range and the elbows uh, and in the post quite well. Uh, it sort of just elevated his game offensively and gave him a real weapon that he could go to and even the coaching staff could go to and when looking for a play and to get a bucket. Yeah, that herky-jerky kind of paid off for him. But talking about strengths, obviously we got the mid-range, the post-game, the quickness, the versatility on D, and a solid passer. What are some other strengths for you on Ronde, uh, Jack? Yeah, getting to the line, Nicholas, uh, we talked about, obviously, uh, the M1 plays. Uh, the turnaround jumpers were quite nice. He's a very good rebounder uh, as well. So uh, those are probably a couple of other things. And, yeah, the shot creation you talked about, you know, just his ability. Not many of the Nets can sort of create their own shots at will. You know, Dealer's probably our best guy at doing that. But, you know, Rondé, in terms of his mid-range game, was able to do that at will when you sort of – it was almost like it was money when it came from around that sort of 10 to 12-foot range. Yeah, he had some stretches where he really got hot, and he was hitting really tough shots too in that mid-range to post area. But on the weaknesses side, obviously, we talked about the perimeter shooting. You know, can be a little sloppy with the ball. And defensively, I think he has another level of hit. And, um, you know, he is a solid rebounder, but I think he can improve in that area, and that'll come with probably adding more physical strength. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that as well in terms in terms of the weaknesses for me, in terms of guarding bigs, um, obviously in terms of when we were playing with small ball fives uh, at times, he would really struggle. And obviously that's obviously no fault of his own. If he's playing up against an Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid, you know, a guy that's 6'7", up against a guy that's 6'11", 7'1", you know, it, it's going to pay lights out for a guy like Ronde. But he held his own on, on some occasion. But I think, yeah, the strength, uh, he can be a bit sloppy at times, but his energy can't be questioned. And obviously at yeah, the three-point shooting is one thing that he's still made an improvement on, but... You know, the form isn't consistent. And, you know, unless we see a consistent form, then there will be questions surrounding his game going forward. Yeah, the free throw percentage, you know, I know we're talking weaknesses, but that was another thing that stuck out strength-wise. But I agree with everything you said. What areas do you think he needs to improve this year? I think the perimeter shooting, I'd just like to see him have some consistency about it. You know, not just sort of see a different shot sort of every single time. Yeah. You know, we've seen a Mark L. Fultz, obviously, uh, everyone's sort of scrutinizing his sort of preseason form and he looks confident and you know we sort of saw that with one day last year the confidence that he showed in terms of his ability to create uh, in that mid-range if he can at least just show some confidence from the area confidence and competence you know it doesn't have to be like absolutely knocked down you look at Draymond Green's you know three points mechanics not necessarily the the nicest looking shot but you know he takes it when needed um you know, it, it's just so important to, to our system. And, you know, it makes him somewhat of an offensive liability when he is out there um, when we don't have that extra stretch and that extra spacing. So for me, the perimeter shooting, you know, I've mentioned the weaknesses, defending above his size. You sort of talked about the strength. So I think that those two things are definitely correlated. But, yeah, overall, you know, he made so many strides last season that there aren't many weaknesses or improvements other than, like, you know, the main ones that he really does need to make. 
Yeah, it's just more so polishing right now. But like you said, the outside jumper, you know, shooting a three, even if it's just from the corner like we've talked about before, and getting it to a respectable number doesn't have to be super high. Low 30s would be great. And then, you know, also, like you said, you know, shooting a different jumper every time, it's not going to really look right. So I think he needs to kind of get consistent on that, hopefully put in work this offseason. Then I think consistency on D, you know, like you mentioned the game against Portland where he was one of the, probably the best defensive players on the floor. You know, we want to see that more. And I think this year he'll be kind of able to do that and less offensive responsibility. And then, like you said, the physical growth, kind of improving that rebounding area and kind of just using fundamentals to deal with some of the bigger guys because he's always going to be undersized, especially if they play him at center and power forward. He's going to give up 20 to 50 pounds depending on who he's matching up against. Yeah, I think all those things were certainly true. And I think in terms of the defensive side of the floor, you know, all the talk that we've mentioned on previous pods as well about the the switching becoming a, a real sort of thing. So we're emulating again the Houston Rockets a little bit further in terms of our defensive schemes now. Uh, I think that will certainly benefit a guy like Rondo who has a really nice lateral quickness and is quite athletic. And I think that that will benefit him uh, really greatly. Yeah, and it seems like he has the energy that he wants to play defense and put in the effort. And like we've said a thousand times in the show, effort on defense is one of the most important things. Now, how can his teammates help him improve or his coaches? Yeah, defensively, it's about putting on the right matchups. There were times where he was just thrown into the wolves and put up a guy like a Chris Epps pausing this, where it's just like, you know he's not going to do well. You'd rather put out like a Tyler Zeller, not necessarily a Timothy Moskov, or even Jared Allen for the experience, because one day he's going to be doing this on a consistent basis. So I think utilizing him in the right matchups and the right lineups is going to be key. And obviously giving him the green light to take shots. He was given that green light from mid-range last season. If Coach Kenny can just go to him, look, if you take these shots, you miss them, you airball them, I don't care. I just want you to keep taking them. Um, just so you can get that confidence in you and you know because repetition is key and obviously when it comes to the guards and his teammates it's about the guards finding him in open spots and then being able to space the floor appropriately so he can get those nice looks from whether it is his mid-range or whatever his spots are being able to so he can get into the lane because he is quite good at getting into the lane so I think in both ways that there are little things that can happen uh, but it'll like we've sort of said about the other players it'll be upon them to sort of be able to execute what the coaches and their teammates want them to do. Yeah, I thought that was a great point. You mentioned the matchups and kind of putting him in a really bad situation and then not sending him any help. I think, you know, if he's going to be matched up against a KP, you know, send a double team, especially when you're playing a team like the Knicks sometimes when they don't have other players that you're necessarily scared of offensively, you know, help them out. I think one, sometimes the Nets do this is where they put their guy, own guy in defensive situation where they're just going to get beat. And that hurts the confidence of the player and the team defensively. So I think kind of helping on that area. And then, like you said, offensively, maybe hitting him in more of his open spots, getting him some more space and finding him places where he can be comfortable because now we have a better idea of what his game is like but I think overall you know his game is somewhat dependent on himself because he play makes a lot but we'll see what happens yeah what definitely. about role on the team oh sorry Jack role on the team for next season starter or bench player yeah this one's intriguing Nick um we've seen that Ronde still recovering from an injury at training camp that hip still giving him a little bit of trouble from um, that exhibition game uh, that he played in China I believe with, with Jeremy Lin at that camp um, he's obviously likely a starter, but with the form of Karras right now, I think he could be pushed to the bench, whether it's early on in the preseason or in the regular season. Uh, I think that we're, we're likely to see him in maybe more of a reserve role. There will be certain matchups that um, will be able to utilize his strengths, but I think going forward, the Nets will be at their best with Rondé as a reserve. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumblings that the Nets have been playing Damari Carroll at the four. 
you know, why Rondé's been yeah. out in training camp. I could, I wouldn't be surprised to see that a lot. I kind of advocated for that a lot last year. Obviously, Damari's undersized, and he probably doesn't prefer to play the four, but I think it might be best for the team spacing-wise. And obviously, Rondé's lack of three-point shooting, it's going to be tough because I think he could be a guy that could be impacted by some of the newer players coming to the team, you know, Ed Davis and Kenneth Reed, because you really don't want to put Rondé out there with those guys with the lack of spacing. You know, some moments and, you know, some stints of a couple minutes, it won't be bad. But I think spacing is so important for this offense that it could be interesting to see what happens. I think, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of flip-flop with the starting lineup. I don't know if they'll do that, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, it'll certainly be a, a, a storyline that will be to watch going out through the preseason and going into the regular season. I have uh, a Netflix Public piece that will be coming out in the next 24 hours or so about the preseason game and, and a few things to watch. And I did mention uh, that four position, that three position, what's going to happen there. But uh, it'll certainly be uh, fun to watch and see how Coach Kenny goes in terms of the decision he makes. Yeah, and it, obviously Jared Allen developing his three-point shot would help in that area, but you also don't want to kind of take Jared Allen out of his uh, bread and butter and in the pick and roll. So it's really going to be a weird situation and see what happens with Rondé. He improved so much, and it'd be sad to put him to the bench because of the improvements he made, but it might be what's best for the team. Now, minute-wise, what do you expect to change for him this year? Yeah, it was 28.2 last season. Uh, I think that it could be somewhere around that same same mark, but I, I, it could fluctuate depending on his form and the form of his teammates. Um, I'll go with a little bit lower at 27 minutes per game, but um, I, I don't think that we'll see anything less than 25 from him uh, and from the coaching stuff in terms of how they use him. Yeah, I agree. I think you're pretty spot on. I think the one thing that'll keep him on the floor is that defensive versatility, which we talked about a little bit before, especially if the Nets are going to switch a lot. Having a guy like him who can defend so many positions, it'll be working on the other things offensively to make him, you know, a little bit better on the floor. You know, maybe developing some of the skill sets we saw from a guy like Andre Roberson, where, you know, you can't shoot the three ball, but you're setting a lot of backdoor screens, all types of stuff on the floor and just causing problems for the defense without the ball in your hands. And I think that's an area where Rondé could help his own self and getting more minutes. But I think 27, 28 minutes should be right. I don't see them jumping up because, like you said, I think some of the other guys can maybe uh, take some of those minutes away. Now, usage rate, do you expect it to be up, down? What do you think? Well, I think it'll probably be down a little bit. But if he does play with the second unit a little bit more, I wouldn't be surprised to see the ball in his hands a little bit more. 22.2% um, last season. I think it'll, again, hover around that mark. He can create his own shot. Um, his dribble has tightened up and, you know, it could tighten up again going into the regular season. So I think it depends on his role, whether it's with the reserves or the starters, how much he sees the ball in his hands. But uh, it'll certainly be about whether, how he's utilized, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. I think if anything, it would probably be a slight bump down because, you know, some of the guys are developing as playmakers and we have more players in the team that are capable of doing things. So I wouldn't be surprised if it took a slight bump, but if he plays with the second unit, it should stay around the same. Now, what are your stats prediction for Rondé? Hopefully we don't have the same ones again. I don't <laughs> think we will. I'm, I'm going to guess that we, we don't. Um, I'm just going with the basic sort of stats. I'm going with 13 points per game, five rebounds per game, and three assists per game. So uh, some drops in certain areas, some increases in certain areas, um, but overall still a very uh, consistent sort of stat line from a guy like one day. What are your uh, numbers, Nicholas? I got 12 points per game, a uh, shade over seven rebounds. I have two steals, one block. I didn't put an assist, but off the top of my head, I'll go with like 2.5, maybe three. I think that's an area he could improve a lot, but I'm not 100% sure he'll get the opportunity to really play make. What yeah, about that's percentage the thing. I saw... Yeah, the percentage is going to be interesting, Nick. Uh, I think it was around that 46% range. Um, I'd be very happy with that if he stays around 45 from the field. His effective field goal, um, I'd like to see him finally crack that 50% mark, but it is hard for a guy who can barely space the floor. Um, his free throw rate is quite good. You know, we said about that 78% mark. Um, I mentioned that he has 
you know, the mechanics and, and the confidence to be able to get to that 80% mark. So um, for me, the effective field goal at 50%, I think should be a real goal for, for a guy like one day. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm hoping he can get the field goal percentage. I think he finished last year with like 47. So maybe get that up to a 48, get some of those bad shots out of there. What do you think in three-point wise? I think last year he shot under 30% and was in the 20s. Do you think he could get up to like a solid 30 or not possible this year? Yeah, it's going to be really hard about the, in terms of the attempts that he takes, Nick. I think he was at around 24, 25%. Uh, 30% is, you know, even then is still very poor. You know, anything under 35% is generally a poor three-point shooter. So I think if we can see, you know, him take, you know, if he gets up to that 30% range, it's obviously a massive increase by his own standards. But we need to take that into comparison of, you know, the the NBA overall and this Nets team overall. You know, if we have Rondé taking three-point shots away from a guy like Joe Harris, Alan Crabb, Jared Dudley, you know, all these other guys who are very capable, Shabazz Napier, Trevion Graham, who was really good from there. Um, it, you'd rather see the ball in those guys' hands and Rondé, the one sort of passing it to him. So his assist numbers increase. Um, I'm not necessarily so worried about it, but if it does happen to increase as, a, as an overall result in terms of his game and it just happens to increase, then that'd be a nice, happy surprise. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, taking away three-point shots from other players. I think, you know, in the right situation, the clock, uh, the shot clock's expiring. You know, he has the ball in the corner. He's wide open, shoot the shot. Obviously, you don't want him to force it. I think it's just going to be something to keep an eye on. Now, by the end of the season, what are going to be some different storylines or narratives about Rondé? Yeah, I was going to ask you this question in relation to that, Nick. By the end of the season, do you think Rondé will have solidified his role as an NBA player going forward? You know, he's still an archetype. Is he going to be a bench shorter forward? Is he going to be a makeshift starter? Um, what Obviously, he's heading into the restricted free agency market. Um, what do you think Rondé, you know, we're going to be talking about at the end of this season? Is he going to be a net long-term? Is he going to be shipped off elsewhere so we don't have to pay him? Um, lots of sort of queries around uh, Rondé and his future as a Brooklyn net. Yeah, thanks for asking me the hardest question of the show, Jack. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking it's it's honestly going to be super tough. His role and his health is going to determine a lot. I think he's a guy the Nets will keep if they don't land any other big free agents. I don't think he's a priority for them. And I love Rondé. I love them. We share the hyphen and stuff like that. But I think in terms of the offense and how he fits, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him. If there's a bigger trade in the table to make a move for a star, maybe not even Jimmy Butler because I don't think the Nets are really pushing for that trade. But maybe somebody else who maybe is available on the market, Rondé would be a guy to include. Or if they want to grab another asset because I'm not sure if they're fully confident in keeping him. And I think that's just a deficiency in the team. It's not that Rondé's a bad player. I just think he's better off as a bench player moving forward forward to answer the other question i don't think until he develops that three-point shot he's going to be able to start unless you have a starting center that can knock down threes i think what you're looking at in the nba now is you want four guys that can shoot the three and one guy that can't you know if you have two guys now you're really hurting your offense the spacing just isn't there athletes are so fast everybody's switching i think he's a nice guy to bring off the bench but i don't think he'll be a starter moving forward unless he makes that change and adds a three-point shot yeah, he's in that similar sort of mold to a Michael Kick, Gilchrist, Stanley sort of Johnson. Guys who are, you know, very capable defensively. And those guys probably are a little bit better than him defensively. But Rondé makes up for better his offense. offense. Yeah. Exactly. So I think in terms of those three guys, they're all in a very similar sort of mold, obviously, in terms of their skill sets. Obviously, there's some discernible differences. But I think, yeah, all the things you mentioned there, I think if Ronak can add a three-point shot, then, you know, we'll be happy to give him uh, a hefty contract. But it's going to be a big season ahead for him, D'Lo, all those guys who are here in the restricted free agency market. And obviously, with the amount of cap space that the Nets have uh, as they look to sort of enter free agency um, with two possible max spots available, um, Ronde status will be a big question mark going forward.
Yeah, and I think going to the offseason, this is like I said, no shots at Rondé. I love him as a player. I love the energy. And I hope he improves and develops that three-point shot so he can be a starter-type player. But I think that would be an area the Nets want to improve is that so your power forward position. I think they can make a jump there, make life easier for Jared Allen, just have somebody who can shoot the three ball because we haven't really seen a good stretch four in that spot. You no, know, we've seen Quincy Acey in there, Dante Cunningham, no offense to those guys, very solid NBA players, but we haven't seen anybody close to like an above-average starter to an all-star fringe-type player in that power forward spot with the three point three point shooter uh three point shots and nets take i think it'd be really exciting to see somebody who could play that spot a little bit better yeah definitely you know obviously it's such an important part of the floor to be able to stretch it and in terms of our, our scheme our offensively and defensively uh the three and d sort of guy is is the perfect fit for there and you know ronde possesses a lot of the skills except for the sort of uh some of the really important ones so um, let's hope for a big season for Ronda. I'm sure he's in for one, and uh, I'm intrigued to see how he did a, a really big jump last season. Yeah. Any last thoughts you want to get on Ronda before we move on to Damari? No, I'm just um, excited to sort of talk about Damari Carroll as well, the swag daddy as himself as our, our fan and friend Zach Murphy uh, coined him. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a, another re- surrounding Carroll as the uh, really nice bounce back season last year. Yeah, no, like you said, Jack, last year, you know, career year for a salary dump, which is so funny to think about. Obviously, was that veteran presence for the Nets, helped set the culture, was a two-way guy. you have any other thoughts about last season about uh, Damari? Yeah, I just thought that his leadership was one thing that really stuck out. Um, and I thought that his impact on the team, uh, you know, just on the court, you know, he provided us with some real composure, but his composure within the locker room and his ability just to have a positive effect uh, both on and off the court was a, a real praise of him, you know, and, and and him individually because, you know, character guys are, are super important. And the relationship that he had with Coach Kenny uh, in Atlanta, yeah, I think it was a great get by by Kenny Marks and and Cal to prove himself as a, a ready-made NBA player and get back to his uh, best self. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he took some of the younger guys under his wing, and that really helped not only during the season last year, but I think in this offseason, you heard a lot of talk about D'Angelo and Karis LeVert. Now, last year, this is an easy one. Success or disappointment? Uh, success. Uh, we can go to strengths, mate. It's, it's... <laughs> If we're talking about success or disappointment, he's um, one of the ones that's easy to just give a tick and move on to. Yeah, and he came with draft picks, so he's like a double success, which ended up turning into Musa. So strengths, though, obviously solid offensive player. He can shoot the three ball. He moves with he moves the ball in the offense. He moves himself offensively. You know, occasional drive. He brings that toughness on toughness and energy on D. You know, just that steadying presence for the Nets team. What are your thoughts on his strengths? Yeah, really good all-round performer, Nicholas. You know, both ends of the floor, good rebounder, very consistent. That leadership on the floor to be able to sort of have that experience, that communication to help out uh, a lot of our younger guys. We do have quite a young squad at our disposal. Uh, his three-point shooting, um, he was one of our best three-point shooters, one of the few uh, shooters to sort of shoot, shoot above uh, our average percentage. So he was very good from the area. Um, we're talking about that 3 and D guy. If Demario Carroll was a little bit younger, uh, he'd probably be the perfect mold for that. And obviously he didn't have the the age on his legs and the time and the experience on his legs. He'd be perfect right now. But yeah, he had a very good season in, in so many different ways. Yeah, exactly. And just the fact I keep thinking about that he was supposed to be a salary dump and he just worked out so well. And like you mentioned, the relationship with Kenny, I think, was huge too. Now, weaknesses-wise, you know, obviously you mentioned the age. He's not going to get much better. If anything, he's going to decline. He wasn't necessarily super efficient shooting the field goal percentage, but, you know, that just wasn't a ton of playmakers on the nets. And I think he's good at a lot of things, but not necessarily great at a lot of things. What were your thoughts on his weaknesses? 
Yeah, I think the the eliteness, he wasn't necessarily like the best three-point shooter or the best defender, but, you know, you can't necessarily expect that from every single player in the NBA. Uh, and I think that, you know, the aging in relation to his quickness and athleticism, you know, back in his Atlanta days, that was a real sort of uh, point of con- a point of like emphasis in terms of his ability to get up and down the floor. So obviously that just comes with age. You know, he's 32 years old now. Uh, you mentioned the shooting, you know, his two-point field goal percentage, you know, almost... It was, it was about 5% difference from his three-point shooting. Um, so, obviously, we just took a couple of steps back. It was a little bit better of a Shoot drive. threes. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Or, or if he just, you know, took those better shots and, you know, made them uh, at a higher clip, it would have affected his scoring and the rest. But, yeah, there was obviously the, the necessary weaknesses of his game was sort of out of his control, control in terms of aging and experience and such. Yeah. Areas you think he needs to improve this year, if any? Uh, I'd say in terms of the three-point shooting, I, I don't I'm necessarily like 36, 37% is good, but it can still take another jump, another percent or two. Uh, in terms of his shot selection, like you mentioned, the percentages weren't great. If he takes those one or two steps back or if he you know, passes it off a little bit, you know, I, I think that he's an elite, a really good decision maker. But you know, at the same time, uh, he's got to make the right shots at the right time, uh, not give away fouls and such. But he was a very consistent performer for us, so it's hard to sort of nitpick about the improvements he needs to make, especially for a guy uh, very late and uh, into his career. Yeah, I think if the Nets got the same thing for Damari, maybe just a little bit more efficient from shooting the ball, like you said, not only two-point, but the three-point percentage, I think the one year in Atlanta, he shot like 39%. Maybe try to boost that up a little bit. Defensively, you know, maybe just be a little bit better. But I think if the Nets were to get the same thing they got from Damari last year, I think they'd be pretty happy about it. Yeah, definitely. Especially for a guy going into, you know, he's well over 10 seasons into his career. So generally that's when you see guys drop off. But for him to have such a resurgent year and a career year, uh, who's to say that he doesn't uh, produce more of the same? Yeah, shout out to the Nets performance team because he shouted them out a lot for getting his knee right and his body right. And he's one guy that you consistently see working out almost every day on, you know, social media at the Nets facility. So that's always a positive too. How can his teammates and coaches help him have a better season? I think for me, it's about the other players sort of picking up the splack, um, allowing him to play more of an ancillary role for the team. You know, guys like Carol Silver, guys like D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dimity, these guys making the shots and sort of allowing Damari to be more of a, a help guy because he seemed quite uh, of a focal point in the in the lineups and in and in in the games for in the Nets wins and even sometimes in losses. So I think it's about the other guys stepping up and the coaching staff sort of being able to relieve his load a little bit, you know, not necessarily play him all 82 games or play him such a high amount of minutes. Uh, guys can step up and the depth in our roster now should allow for that. Yeah, I think you're pretty much spot on. I think the other guys can play better and just not ask them to ever really create and just kind of set them up in good situations because he did create a little bit last year for himself, had a somewhat success, but I think he's best when he's a spot up shooter or getting that kick out where he can drive to an open lane or something like that. Now, role on the team this year, starter or bench player? Uh, starter to begin the season, Nick, but towards the end of the season, I, I think it would be silly to say that he's still going to be a starter if we want you know, our young guys to sort of really take those leaps and bounds. We want, we're talking about um, Rondé a little bit earlier, but you know, if Rondé's still kicking around and his three-point shot's still on, then you know, Karras and Rondé as a lineup isn't too bad. If Karras' three-point shot improves, then you know, that really young lineup would be a nice one to see. But um, I think Damari Carroll as a starter, in terms of what he brings, in terms of a level head and leadership, uh, I think whenever he's got a next uniform on, he's most likely to be a starter. 
Yeah, I think he just brings that steady, steadying presence to the starting lineup, and that's something that Kenny wants and having that relationship. And there was times where Demario would be out of the game, and then Kenny would just put him back in for like a minute or two to just kind of slow things down. He did a great job last year also when the Nets were like – the other team was on like a 10-0 run. He'd take the ball and go get like an and one to the rim or get some free throws or something just to slow it down and calm down the team. So I think he'll stay in the starting lineup. He obviously could be moved, or you could see somebody jump in by midseason. And unless – you know, there's been talk about maybe Karis LeVert jumping the starting lineup. I don't know if that'll happen. If Karis is having as good of a training camp as everyone is saying, then maybe it could happen. But I think right now he stays in that starting lineup. If anything, maybe he slides down a spot. But what do you think about his minutes for this year? I think he led the team in minutes at 29 point minutes per game. So I think that could drop and should drop to closer to 25 if our younger guys take, younger guys take the step up and the load is spread across the, the roster with guys like, you know, Trevion Graham and Jared Dudley in, in his position. So I think uh, a nice little drop for him wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I think you'll see him drop down maybe a minute or two or at least get some more games off. You know, there's obviously less back-to-backs in the NBA, but if we do have a back-to-back, maybe give Damari the night off or something along those lines. Now, usage-wise, you know, obviously it wasn't very high last year. Where do you think he'll be at this year? Yeah, just under 20%. Uh, I think it'll probably stay relatively similar. Doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he's the sort of guy that makes the shots, doesn't over-dribble the ball. So I think we'll probably see that at a similar sort of rate. Yeah, I agree. Pretty much spot on right there. Uh, prediction and stats on the season, Jack. Uh, I'm going to go 12 points per game, two assists, and our 4.5 rebounds. You know, they might be drops in, in comparison to last season, but as I said, with the minutes dropping, you know, he's likely to have a drop in numbers. But uh, I think if his effectiveness, effectiveness can increase, you know, instead of 37% from uh, the perimeter, 38 or 39, and instead of 41% from the field or around that sort of 40 range, you know, around that 45%, I think that, you know, he can still be a very effective part of this next unit. Not exactly the same, but pretty similar over here. 12 points per game. I got five rebounds, two assists, one steal, 44% from the field, and 38% from three. We are very close to our numbers always, Nicholas. We are uh, one mind when it comes to our Brooklyn Nets sometimes. Yeah, and I think, like, you're not expecting, you know, we can look a lot about last year, and I don't think a ton of the guys, other than maybe D'Angelo, Jared Allen, and Karis Avert, who we'll talk about, aren't going are gonna to take more of a jump, and some of the other guys will probably stay around the same, if anything, drop off a little bit. Now, what... What do you think about Damari? Do you think he's going to be traded this year or he'll be on the Nets to the end of the season? Yeah, that was literally the question I was going to ask you, Nick. So you got to it first, so I'll have to answer it uh, first, mate. Um, I think it's very likely that we do see Damari traded. You know, there were a lot of rumblings that we spoke about on the buzz last season in terms of the trade deadline and such with teams like Detroit who are pushing for a playoff position, teams like New Orleans, uh, the Houston Rockets are even in the market. You know, Zach Lowe brought that up. We spoke about it on uh, another buzz. We're speaking about it on this on this podcast. We we're really good at covering Nets news, guys. Make sure you're subscribed. Um, but yeah, Damari, I think, is unlikely to be in net. Uh, but that necessarily doesn't mean he's had an unsuccessful stint uh, with the team. It just means, you know, as an expiring contract that other teams might cover him and we'll be able to get something else return in terms of turning a dump guy into you know extra other picks would be uh very very uh lucrative uh for a guy who was initially a dump yeah this if he if sean marks is able to get another first round pick for damari even if it's late or maybe like two second round picks i think that might be one of his best moves other than drafting you know jared allen and karis avert but i think uh, damari is likely to be traded now jack do you think if the Nets, hypothetically, let's say we're at the trade deadline the week before, the Nets are locked in as maybe like the seventh or eighth seed, they have like a one or two game lead on the team behind them, do you think it's less likely to trade Damari because they want to make the playoffs or it's not really going to have an impact and they have confidence in the other guys? 
Uh, I think that it depends on the form of the other guys, like you mentioned, Nick. You know, we have Jared Dudley in the reserves. He can be a makeshift starter of sorts. Uh, we have Trevion Graham, uh, Karis Levert, if we're hoping to see him take the next step. I think that it depends on what the turn for the Nets. You know, if we're pushing for the playoffs, you know, there's obviously uh, every chance that we are pushing uh, and want to get those wins. And Damari Carroll is a proven part of winning basketball, especially when it comes to our Brooklyn squad. So I think it's less likely if we are pushing for the playoffs. But at the same time, I don't think that it will be the distinguishing factor in terms of trading him. I think that if the deal in return is a first rounder, then I think Sean Marks pulls that trigger and absolutely makes the trade. Yeah, I think it'll be something to kind of keep an eye on because I think the Nets do believe in the culture and they want to get in the playoffs. And obviously, you know, not that the Nets are going to win a playoff series, but having a veteran like Damari, if you're going to the playoffs, would be huge. Obviously, a lot of experience and a lot of guys lean on him. So I think that could have an impact. And I also think the fact that, you know, he really takes care of like D'Angelo and Karasovar and a lot of young guys look up to him. I think the Nets could want to keep him a little bit more. But if they were to get a good offer on the table, I think they would probably let him go and get, you know, that asset back. But it's it's really a weird situation because we'll see how much the Nets really value culture and leadership and having a veteran like that. Obviously, they've added other names, but Damari seems to be like that guy that they all have a really close relationship to, including Kenny. Yeah, I think Trevor Booker's is sort of a similar one in terms yes. of the deal and he's that we saw last season. I think Damari could be on a similar path. Now, Trevor Booker really added to winning basketball for our Nets early in the season uh, before he was traded. He's just a guy who who knows how to get the make the right play uh, on the right side of the floor. He's a man who knows his limitations, similar to Damari Carroll. So uh, I think Damari is a more coveted asset in terms of his sort of 3 and D role, uh, and, but his age is still going to be a question. So if he is healthy, uh, there will be teams clamoring after him because he is the sort of perfect archetype and Houston don't necessarily have to certainly think they'll be knocking on the door and you know if they're going to be contending for a championship they're going to need uh, a guy of sort of Damari's look after Lloyd for a reason so yeah and it also will impact is uh the other next ste stepping up as leaders you know like if D'Angelo and Karis Avert and Jared Allen or like the Yvonne or like these younger guys really become strong leaders on the team I think it makes it a little bit easier to trade one of your older veterans but if the team is kind of still all over the place but you're winning games you kind of want to have that steadying force but any last thoughts Jack on Damari and Rondé I think both of these guys are in for fascinating seasons I think for, for different reasons Rondé's on the rise Damari's in sort of the not necessarily the swan song. I still think he's probably got three or four years left in the NBA. But uh, the differing situations and how they sort of can impact the Brooklyn Nets are going to really determine their future in and outside the organization in the NBA. So it's going to be a, a really fun year for these two guys. And I'm fun to, fun to see it. I do have one more question for you regarding Damari. If he's not traded, he ends the season with the Nets. Do you see a situation where he's brought back the following season, maybe on like a lesser deal and kind of just comes back as like a role player? Yeah, I mean, I certainly could see that. Um, I, I think in terms of how much we offer him is going to be a, a real sticking point. You know, uh, I, I don't, you don't want to break a bank for a guy who's, you know, hitting the final sort of uh, twilight of his career. Um, but he does, in terms of his love for the organization and the situation, he has spoken volumes of it. So I'm sure he would take a discount of sorts. But um, in terms of if the Nets strike at him, free agents, you know, you can do worse than re-signing a guy who is a great teammate and a great locker room presence. So there is every opportunity that if he's not traded or if he's not uh, bought out or whatever you want to say, that he could certainly be a net uh, in 2019-2020 as well.
Yeah, I think they could probably get him back for like a nicer deal too because he seems to really like Brooklyn, like you said. But that wraps it up for Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Damari Carroll season preview. Jack, always a pleasure talking hoops with you. And like we said, you can check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Feel free to subscribe, retweet, you know, share, give us a positive review. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.